The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to a Monday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say ah, Tam. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so I, I want to share with everybody, I took my son shopping. Uh, this was yesterday. Uh, Are you going to tell him the coat, the hanger? Yeah, I am. Oh, my God. Um, I take him shopping over to DXL because he's got to get some new slacks and things like that. He's yeah. a bigger guy. Um, and uh, he had made some smart-ass comment. And uh, I go like this. I, I, I'm holding these hangers. I go, you know what? I am going to whack you with this hanger. And without missing a beat, look me dead in the eyes. Goes, you know what? Then I'm going to moan really loud in the store, and you have to explain that. <laughs> yeah. See the shit I got to put up with for my 18-year-old? Yeah. Jesus See, my Christ. son would have said something to the fact that he would drop on the floor and scream, <laughs> you know, get in the fetal position and scream, and I'd have to explain that. Well, the fucked up thing is in my head, I can actually see him going, oh, do it again. So can I. So can I. A fucking sick little bastard, man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, my son did yell one time when he was little as we were going through the store, because I wouldn't take him to Freddie's play place, I, that I was not his mother. <laughs> and so I had to drag him out of the store with him screaming, you're not my real mom. And I'm thinking, I'm going to fucking get arrested. I'm going to have to show your birth certificate, all that shit. I'm going to do that next time. When I'm going through the store, I'm just going to yell at random people, help, she's not my real mom. It doesn't matter who the fuck I'm with. <laughs> I've been... <laughs> I've been kidnapped. Hell, my big kidnapped. My real name is Steven. <laughs> my real name is Steven. This woman's trying to child abduct me. Yeah. Oh, my God. A side note, that Steven's brother, his biological brother, later in life, got arrested for murder. He wasn't a serial killer, though, as I'd feature him. Yeah. Huh. He grew up and was a murderer. Cool, cool. All right, so let's let's give them the Monday episode because I'm kind of excited to get to my two at the end of the week because I'm doing Thursday, and I'm glad that you gave me Friday because that geez, Friday one, Thursday was intense. Yeah, but, but are you? Friday? Did you do the one I gave you? Oh, that one was weird, huh? Jesus fucking Christ on a popsicle yeah. stick. Yeah. No, I I thought it was weird because I actually found him when I was researching my Monday guy. Right, right. And I'm going to give us a little plug real quick. By the way, if you are interested in starting your own podcast or whatever, we are expanding our podcast services. Yeah, our division. And uh, just send send us an email. Let's see what we can work out. Pitch pitch your idea. I was going to say, pitch it to us and, you know. Yeah, I mean, the the worst we can say is no. Well, and I was thinking the only way we would say no is if, you know, but we could always work with somebody to modify it. Well, it depends if they say, I want to talk about why, why I like to molest children. That's a well, no, motherfucker. Yeah, that is a, that is a hard no. However, but, if you want to discuss, you know, why you want to backhand kids at Walmart, yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> or, I probably agree. Or bang grannies. You know, Scott's is, all over that. <laughs> what is wrong with being attracted to grannies? I mean, come on. They're awesome. Because at a certain point, they're no longer... Like attractive, I say nay nay. I was just say, well, I think a lot of mine is not with older women, but with older men. When I was way younger, way younger, 
I was walking through the halls of my mom's work and some guy goes, can you help me? And I'm like thinking he just needed his water or something. No, he had his little tally out and it, it looked like Play-Doh. Go, it was bad. Go, like it's the, birthday. Remember that? Um, what was it called? That sticky stuff that adhered to stuff, and you could peel it away. Oh, silly putty. Yeah, it looked like he was playing with that. <laughs> Here's the great thing about it was traumatic. Grannies, though, especially. Can you shut off that light? Oh, I can do that. Especially as they get older, you know, women's boobs start to sag. It's winter time. I could wrap them around my head. <laughs> you stay warm. Have tit mops. That's right. <laughs> if I put my hands up underneath them, I have tittens. <laughs> yeah, you told me that stupid joke before. I haven't. <laughs> I told you I have an aunt that like down to her kneecaps. Hmm, send her my number. Yeah. All right. So let's, it's bad. Let's talk about this. Uh, his fucking middle name is just retarded. This John Bodkin Adams. Because I'm telling you, man, I don't care if that's his mom's maiden name or not. You don't fucking name your kid Bodkin. That's fucking. That is exactly why he's a serial killer. That's why he's on our show. You is named that him why? that. Yeah, dumbass twat. Yeah, well, this is actually a curious case of John Adams. Um, people have called him the first Harold Chipman. Oh. Yeah. So when it comes to curious case of John Bogdan Adams, there are two sides of the coin. Of course, there always yeah, is. There, there were and currently are some people in the United Kingdom who do not believe he was ever a serial killer. Here we go. Yeah. Um, then there are others who believe it within every fiber of their being. And so, after being tried for murder, Scotland Yard, Lord, Scotland Yard. You want to try that one again there, Slick? I did it twice. Scotland Yard. Now you know what's going to happen. Scotland Yard and Interpol are going to come down here, and we're going to go to prison. So guess what? Guess what, boys and girls? I'm not the only one who's pissed off other nations. Welcome to fucking Tammy. Good job. Now you have international law enforcement pissed off at us. Yeah, Good job. well, I already know that England's going to arrest us because you made fun of the queen. <laughs> I'm going to get shot the second Which I step off the fucking plane. Which used to be fucking illegal. It probably still is. I'm gonna, they're going to shoot me as soon as I step off the plane. We know that. Yeah, everywhere. So one word for you, Kevlar. In anyway. Asia, in yeah. Australia, in the UK, in Russia, oh yeah, in Italy, <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially France. Yeah, France is definitely we're screwed. Getting, be, no croissant for you. Ha ha ha! You got to die. Yeah, when we start doing our international tours, we're fucked. Yeah, we're fucked. Anyway, go yeah, for it. Yeah. So after being tried for murder, Scotland Yard closed their files to the public on this guy's case. Um, they were supposed to remain closed for a period of 75 years. So they wouldn't have been available to researchers until 2033. So oh, when did this all take place? Now... Back during world, right around World War II. Okay. Yeah. So they were sealed the files. They're like, they didn't want anybody researching it. They didn't want anybody to have any information except for the people oh. who were involved in the case before. I'm like fucking curious as fuck now. Yeah. However, the persistence of a historian by the name of Patricia, I mean, Pamela Cullen back in the day. Stop right there. No, she was. Yeah, but she's not related. Hmm. It just sounds suspicious to me. Yeah. Well, she petitioned them back in 2003 and they were reopened for access so her being granted special permission it has made it easier to find accurate information when you re- when you research him now but i believe that in any case 
it should be mm-hmm. available to the public. You know what I mean? Because well, we have the Public Information Act, which is helpful, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because I can point at my asshole neighbors and say, you know what? They're child molesters and fucking serial killers, and with nothing to back it up, who's to say they're going to get a fair trial? You know True. what I mean? But if the public can look at it and go, okay, what's he got? Oh, you know what? There's no proof here. They're yeah. innocent. You know, even though I pray that they did get deported. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's true. They are them. probably totally legal and you're being very racist. I, I am towards them because. And it, you know what? You shouldn't be racist towards them because you had a Mexican wife. That's why I'm not racist. I married a Mexican. Okay. <laughs> that's why I said you're not racist. To, and I have more than one black friend. So there you go. But no, and, and here's the reason. This happened just on fucking Friday. Jake and I are chilling here. And those little brats next door are screaming at the, and not just a little bit. This went on for hours to where we thought about calling the fucking cops and saying, Hey, do a wellness check because they're probably playing, but this is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I think they're both mentally disturbed or retarded or something. Therefore, they should be locked I in cages. I hate that word. Okay. Well, those retards need to be locked in a fucking cage. And so there you say it again. Retard. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about Mr. Yeah. John Bakken. So, so I'm not tempted to give anything away too soon. I'll I'll just present him, and he is a two-parter. But by the end of this um, information I give you, I want you to decide whether he was a serial killer or not. Because I'm still a little torn. Hmm. Yeah. So John Bodkin Adams was born on January 21st, 1899. Um, He was born in Randallstown, Ulster, Ireland. Yeah. Say that really fast. Nope. Even when I'm sober. Yeah. Yeah. and he was the oldest of two boys, and they both grew up in an intensely religious family uh, and were members of the sect, the Plymouth Brethren, which, um, and he remained an active member of that church, that denomination, and, and it's a strict um, Protestant. Oh. Yeah, very rigid Protestant views um, for his entire life. Um, his father, Samuel, was a watchmaker. However, he preached to the local congregation on Sundays. Brothers and sisters, gather around. Let's talk about Jesus. Open your Bibles to First oh. Corinthians. You're not going to talk about Church of the Holy Majestic Mountain Cow? Oh, that's a coming. Because Jake and I came up with a concept. That's scary. Mountain cows versus chicken monks I don't even want it I mean that there's dead silence and we had dead air because I'm <laughs> you just wait I'm just closing my eyes hoping that I never have to hear this I'm currently writing all the rules of what it takes to be a mighty majestic mountain cow and who's going to write the rules on how to become the chicken monk probably me oh oh you're writing the, the chicken monks Oh, the me. intern over there raised his hand quicker than, you know, I did in school. <laughs> me, me. <laughs> Hermione Granger did on Harry Potter. Anyways, um, Samuel, like, was very passionate about cars his entire life. John's okay. dad. Yeah. Um, so he did pass that passion on to his oldest son. And the weird thing is, 
because this is was not a common practice back in that day. Um, Samuel didn't marry Adam's, you know, John's mother until he was 30 years old. I didn't marry any of my No, I'm sorry. Folks, he was parents, 39, parents. excuse me. And then she was 30. <coughs> I thought you got married when in your 20s to your first wife. I didn't marry any of my kids' mothers. Oh, ever. Ever. Yeah. Because apparently... You're just a baby daddy. The best way to not have children, for me, is to marry them. Oh, see, maybe you should have married everybody then. Well, no, because Shannon, god damn. Oh, me. that's... that's interns, Mom? No, that's Heidi. Oh. Yeah, no. That's a... That's also a big one. Oh, Shannon. The stabity one. You had a baby with her? No. Oh. You scared me for a minute. You said all of them. No, fuck. No, thank God. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Anyways. um, So, like I said, Samuel was 39 when he first got married. And Ellen, John's dad, was 30. Oh. So, that wasn't a common practice back then. They usually married each other, you know, back in the... Ellen's a girl's name. Don't you mean his mom? Yeah, his mom was 30. Yeah, you said his dad. Again? Again, yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, two guys. I was just just saying, I got nothing against gay people, but two gay guys don't tend to get pregnant and have kids. kids. Yeah. Just saying. Well, I I misspoke there. I apologize. But yeah, that was not a common practice back in the late 1800s when they got married. Um, Back then, they used to marry when they were, what, 14, 15 years old? Mm, the ripe old age of Oh, my 15. God. You're so dumb. Um, anyways, Samuel ended up passing away from a stroke in uh, 1914. Um, Adams was only 15 years old at the time. Unfortunately, his younger brother, William, also passed away in 1919 during... He had uh, contracted the flu, the 18... I mean, the 1918 uh, influenza pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, he, when he passed away, was only 11 years old. Oh, fucking brutal. That's fucked up. Yeah. So Adams ended up growing up, and he enrolled at the Coleraine, Coleraine, C-O-L-E-R-A-I-N-E, Academical Institute. And he was there until he was 17 years old. Then he was, then he was matriculated, which means he became eligible to enroll... Some people didn't know that you were nodding like you did. Oh, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, he was, uh, became eligible to enroll at the Queen's University of Belfast. Um, his instructors there referred to him using the words, and I'm quoting here, plotter, as in P-L-O-D-D-E-R, like he just plot along, uh-huh. and lone wolf. Oh, yeah. lone wolf of London. You're a lone wolf. Maybe. <laughs> That's why I'm a good serial killer. Oops, outed myself. I Gasp. knew it. That's why you're interested in this subject. No, that's why I'm keep on. I keep my eye on the goddamn neighbors next door because I swear to God, if I got to hear them scream one more time, there's gonna be <laughs> going on. I will fucking shank those assholes. Like I will cut a bitch. <laughs> if I thought I could get away with it, even for a microsecond, I would fucking kill them. You're so dumb. I fucking hate them. So, anyways, um, according to his school records, he actually missed an entire year of his schooling. Uh, but part of the reason for this. 
could be due to an illness, which some people believed was tuberculosis. Oh, long, I thought it was lone wolf and itis, but okay. He had lone wolf syndrome. That's right. Ow, lone wolf of England. Auga. No. <laughs> That's a car. That's a car. Yeah. So Adams failed to qualify for honors, but he still managed to graduate in 1921. That same year, a surgeon by the name of Arthur, Arthur Randall Short gave him a job at Bristol Royal Infirmary as an assistant houseman. This is, uh, that's one of the first steps uh, to becoming a practitioner at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, I want to say kind of like an orderly, but not quite. I want to say candy striper, man. Right. It's kind of weird that you're doing something who was born in uh, 1899, yeah. by the way, because my Friday was born in 1899, and I had to get acquainted with a few words from that time era. Of yeah. Because he joined the military and things like that. I told you I ran into him when I did this guy. Yeah, like signalman. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is a signalman? Yeah. So I had to look some shit up and yeah, all that good So jazz. Adams actually wasn't proving successful in that position. You want to know why? The candy striper skirt looked horrible on him. I was a candy striper. You know, when I said that that first time in one of those episodes back in the back a few weeks ago, I realized I said candy stripper. <laughs> and I was like, I I didn't even catch it at the time. But no, I was a candy striper I'm when a, I had to give sponge baths to old men. <laughs> you were a candy stripper. I'll do anything for, for a lifesaver and a blow pop. For a lollipop. Do you, do you like blow pops? Have you ever been tied up, Mr. Smith? Oh, no, I see what you're about. No, okay. Yeah, no, I used to like the ring suckers. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. <laughs> I bet you did. Fucking getting practice. What do you do, Tammy? How do you, Tammy? Think, how do you think I got some skills in that area? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm practicing for my future job in North Portland. Jamie Christmas. <laughs> North Northeast fucking. Oh, in uh, Iowa. No, right here. Uh, what's that road? The fuck if I know that one that broad Broadway? No, thinking MLK. No, that main road that goes through downtown. That's a big separator right over there by Chinatown. Um, fuck if I know. I avoid that area like the goddamn place. Yeah, I can't Broadway. remember it now. I know it all the time because I drive past the sign. I bet you do. <laughs> Find a way to fuck work. You. Um. Anyways, so. Since he wasn't proving successful in that position, he only remained in that, you know, in that job for a year. Then Short actually advised him to apply for the position of a general practitioner um, at the Christian practice located in Eastbourne, Sussex. No, I'm good for a minute. Thank you. Um, So when he arrived in Eastbourne, he moved there with his mother and his cousin, who was Sarah Florence Henry. Were they kissing cousins? I don't think so. There's something that we'll bring up uh, later. Ooh, is this going to get incestuous? I can't tell you. Hold um, on. Continue. I'm thinking about it. Stop it, Scott. I'm trying to read. Okay. So he moved there in 1922. Approximately seven years later, he received a loan, and I didn't do the fucking um, conversion on this, for the amount of 2,000 pounds, you know, because that's what they use over there, um, from one of his patients, a guy by the name of William Mahood, M-A-H- Isn't that against ethics, though? 
oh, getting loans from your it patients? It is now, but I don't know if it was back then. Okay, I would still. Think, I think it was frowned upon, but I, I was just thinking that would be unethical, no matter what the time frame is. You know what I mean? Yeah, You're almost like kind of using your patient. I, I, that, that's just my thought. Anyway, go ahead. Anyways, so when he got this loan from his patient, he purchased a residence that was called Kent Lodge. Okay, now this place was so massive; it had eighteen rooms. Damn. And it was located on Seaside Road, which is now called Trinity Trees. And that was the considered prime real estate at that time. Can you imagine? All That's the like mi- Snob Hill in my town. Can you think of all the midgets and grannies that I could house there? In an 18-room established yeah. residence? Because midgets yeah. are stackable. If you get an 18-room residence, I'm moving in because I can be on the separate wing. Midgets are stackable. So I could fit a lot of midgets. You are bad. Like a lot. Anyways. A midget for every day of the year in all seasons. Huh? Yeah. Life would be a dream. <laughs> Did you just say be a tree? Oh, my God. That'd be even better. I said life would be a dream, but okay. Oh. <laughs> life could be a tree. Branch, 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 branch. Life could be a... Okay. Continue. I dated a guy whose last name was Branch. Anyways, reports of that <laughs> reports from that time frame indicate that Adams not only got a loan from this guy, but he would often arrive at their house totally uninvited and generally around mealtime. Well, there you go, man. You got to get a meal every yeah. once in a while. So Feed a brother. Yeah. Well, sometimes he would even bring his mother and his cousin over along with him. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so around this time, he also started buying items at the local stores, um, which he charged back to their account. Because, you know, they could do that back then. They had accounts at the stores. and Oh, but. back to the people that he got yeah. the loan from. To, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I you thought he was, I meant back to the store. Sorry. Yeah. No, back the to the Ma Hoods account. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. And so later, the Ma, and the Ma Hoods didn't give him permission and didn't know about it at first. Um, so when Mrs. Ma Hood <laughs> described Adams to the police later, she used the term a real scrounger. Damn scroungers. Yeah, well, you know, that's a common phrase. Coming over here with their baggy pants and their loud jazz musics. (laughs) Yeah. Not believing in Jesus. My mom uses the term horse feathers all the time. (laughs) They were full of horse feathers. Oh, horse feathers. Continue on, young lady. I'm going to sit over here and just do my crossword puzzle and think about the good old days when I used to watch Lawrence Welk. (laughs) The bubbles. (laughs) That's right. Those were good old days with me in the bubbles. Yeah. My grandma used to watch. Popping the bubbles all the day. I knew a girl who used to blow bubbles. But that was a whole different story. That's when I was in the army. We're done. (laughs) So by the mid-30s. Sergeant Bubbles. Oh, wait. I I missed the part. So Mr. Ma had actually passed away in 1949. The guy who had given him the loan. Shortly after he died. Adams went over to their house again, um, uninvited, and he said he was there to visit the widow. Well, while he was there, he decided he wanted a 22-carat gold pen, writing pen, that was sitting on her dresser table and in her bedroom. So he's like gone into her room. I bet you he did. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) this is the sad part. 
when she confronts him about it, he says, I just wanted something of her. He goes, I wanted something of her husband's. Um, so when he left, he never went back to see her again. Well, you think you just got busted for trying to rip her off. I yeah, mean, come on. She caught him trying to steal a pen, like an expensive pen. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. She should have kicked him in the nards. If somebody gave me a 22 karat gold pen, I'd put it in a fucking safe. I would never use it. I would use it to sign women's boobs. Scotty Don't was you here. Use a sharpie for I that. I use a sharpie for that. Yeah, I haven't had. You, I was going to have you sign my ass that first show, but ew, ew. yeah, because you said you signed a lot of boobs, so I was going to be. Of I was going to be different and have you sign my ass. My favorite thing I've ever signed though was a prosthetic leg. I know you told me that. That was great, man. Can I get your autograph? Yeah, no problem. Where's your paper? I pulled this fucking leg off. I'm all, oh, oh, he pulled it off. Yeah, he pulled it the fuck. He just. Whip that motherfucker as a whole dog. He fucking it. Uh, <laughs> pop. Like, uh, yeah, he whipped okay. that off like he'd like taken down his pants. Like you mooned me last week. No shit, man. The dude was like a ninja with his leg. I bet you he used that sucker as a weapon. If anybody tried to mug him, he just pull it off and not beat just the hyped shit open it, huh? Yeah, not just hyped <laughs> open it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's so bad. By the mid thirties, the town's gossip mill was totally focused on Adam's somewhat quote uncondemned conventional behavior um when matilda witten i love that name matilda yeah i bet you do <laughs> um and it's witten w-h-i-t-t-o-n she passed away in 1935 adams inherited 7385 pounds from her estate which only totaled about 11,465 pounds oh yeah so he received more than half and Matilda's family contested the will, but the courts upheld the document. But they did overturn the codicil to her will, which left Adam's mother 100 pounds. So, you know, it was very questionable why he received this money. Okay, so after that, he started getting, quote, uh, according to him, anonymous postcards in the mail that accused him of bumping off his patients. His words. Um, and according to an interview he gave, to a newspaper reporter in 1957, he received at least three to four of those postcards a year until World War II broke out. And then... The price of stamps went up, and they're like, fuck yeah, you, I'm well, not Yeah, well, they anything. started arriving again in the mail in 1945 when the war was over. So he didn't receive them the entire time <laughs> during the war. Um, hey, man, his, his admirer had shit to do. Got to go off and fucking, you know, fight Germans and shit. <laughs> right? So reports vary on the time frame. However, around either 1939 or perhaps 1941, you know, that's when Adams began to give Mrs. Agnes Pike injections of various drugs that included morphine. Hold on. We were just talking about keeping your mom healthy. No, and it me wasn't giving her that. injections. No. And we're not. Stop it. Stop it right there. Stop talking. I don't want to stop I'm talking. Just saying, I'm concerned about your mom's health. Stop I'm talking. I'm trying to help. Stop talking. You're so mean to me. Stop talking. <laughs> mean. Well, you know, you're mean to me when you say it. I am not. I'm concerned with your mom's health, and I just want to give her large doses of penicillin. I told you to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so the proprietor staying in uh, Miss Pike Agnes's. Um, Guest house became really concerned with the way her health had deteriorated so rapidly. Um, this concern drove him to notify her family and let them know what was going on. 
So the family decided to bring in another doctor by the name of Philip Matthew uh, to give a second opinion. After Dr. Matthew performed his checkup on Mrs. Pike, he advised the family that he couldn't find a medical reason for her to receive the treatments that Adams was giving her. Yeah, so there's no reason why right. she should have been getting morphine. But we see that a lot, honestly. All my jokes aside, we see that a lot where oh, yeah. when people start poking in, they go, hey, wait a minute, why are you giving this patient large doses of insulin, large doses right. of morphine? Well, and large... so we've had some of them that aren't even diabetic that we're getting. Right. Yeah. Why are you giving them large doses? Or why are you even giving them digitoxin? <laughs> yeah, nobody should be getting that. That's a heart med. So Yeah. You know, yeah. this patient has no heart problems. Why are you giving them these... Because those are the three that we see the most often. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with digitoxin being one of the ones that's lesser used yeah. and morphine, but, yeah, and, morphine the insulin, and insulin are very highly used. Yeah, they're, those are the or ones. arsenic. And arsenic. Those, those all, you know what? And honestly, people who use that, if, they, if you're using that now and you're one of the killers listening to us, you know where that comes from? The fucking cliche mind. Get original, Peckerhead. Yeah, from back in the 20s, bitch. Yeah, that's back in the 20s <laughs> shit, bitch. Get with the modern age. Yeah. Fuck. So anyways, he reported that her poor health was becoming alarming. Um, and Mrs. Pike was in such a state that she wasn't even able to remember her name or how old she was. That is uh, me, oftentimes, uh, <laughs> but yeah. for different reasons. Well, I always go, like, every time somebody says, how old are you? I go, wait a minute. Uh, I won't tell them your name. You know, little Goo Goo Dolls? <laughs> Remember that song? That was a good song. Yeah, back in the day. But throughout World War... Oh, wait, no. So Mrs. Pike's family actually uh, were quick to put her in the care of a different doctor. They're like, you know what? We're done with you. And approximately eight weeks after she had started seeing... Somebody else, she recovered so much that she regained her, her mental faculties and she was able to go shopping for herself. It turns oh, out her go. situation would actually be one of the rare times one of Adam's victims survived. Well, isn't that amazing? When you're not getting medication that you don't need, yeah, you, how your quickly health. you improve. Yeah. Look at me. I feel better now and I can go out and I can go shopping and I know that my name is fucking whatever the fuck her name is. Hey, life is good. You know, it yeah. was Edith. But that was it. No, wait, Agnes. Agnes, that was it. That's another sexy name right there. God damn it. Yes. Yeah, well, my dad, when he came out here, was on several medications he didn't need because it was like similar to other ones he was on. And so he had a hard time like walking and stuff like that. Well, the facility I brought him to, which happened to be my mom's facility, um, they decided. That um, I just got the notification to confirm my waxing appointment. Anyway, <laughs> tell Michelle I said hello. Don't you have one next week? Uh, I was going to say you usually see him her the Sunday after my Wednesdays. I think she's taking that day after Christmas. I can't remember. I was going to say your your coffee goddess is over there nodding her head. So, um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were nodding. No, no. Oh, no. my bad. Um, fuck. No, I think mine's in January because she, I think she's taking the day after Christmas off. Oh, okay. Her birthday's in January. I always give her extra tip. Shut up, Scott. In mm, January. I'm going to give her an extra tip. And the only reason why I remember her birthday's in January is because mine is, too. Arr. Hint, hint. <laughs> you get to go back to the woods for all of three hours and visit the other Sasquatches before I shoot you with tranquilizer darts again. You'll have to catch me first. Don't have to. I'm a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, lead your target, boys and girls. Lead the target before you fire. fire. 
Anyways, I will go on. <laughs> Throughout World War II, Adams remained in the Eastburn area. Sometime in 1941, he received his diploma in anesthetics, which is the drugs that are used to induce anesthesia, and they can cause a patient to lose sensation and awareness temporarily, that's obviously. What, that's what anesthetics are for, yeah. though. Like when they give you a local anesthetic, yeah. they give you that because they don't want you to feel that they're cutting into your goddamn body. Oh, yeah. It totally numbs you. My anesthetic didn't work when I was pregnant, though. It was horrible. Goddamn. Yeah, which is why I had to go under to have my C-section. But another story. <laughs> Anyways, um, once he received this diploma, he began working at the local hospitals once a week. As the anesthesiologist, it wasn't be long before he had a reputation there for screwing things up. While his patients were under during surgery, Adams would often fall asleep, count his money, or eat cakes. How the fuck do those goddamn three things go together? Like, really? What's your favorite hobbies? What? Please, you- please. Any- yeah, what's your favorite hobbies? Counting money... Falling asleep and eating cake. They all go together. It's a lazy man's combo. Jesus, no shit, man. Thank you. What, falling asleep? Oh, (laughs) I used to count money when I worked in retail. No, I I was hoping I want to get a job for eating cakes, but then I'd be fatter than I am now. (laughs) You think my ass is big now? You do not need to get a job at Little Debbie. Oh. (laughs) We have a, don't we have like a Frito-Lay factory here yeah right here in vancouver it's uh right off of like uh fruit valley road and yeah i was gonna say i knew we had one um (laughs) i have a tazo tea in my town um anyways where was i oh right there he would also get confused with the gas types needed the hoses needed to administer the anesthetics sometimes the patient would either wake up during surgery or turn blue during surgery. He's making Smurfs. Yeah. Yeah. You're writing right now? Dork. Of course. Because I'm thinking about the Papa Smurf that's in my Smurf hut. In my pants. (laughs) A little mushroom hut in your pants. My little mushroom hut. Your little fungus. (laughs) No, I have spray for that and that's all gone Uh, now. Thank you very much. But the fungus or your spray? (laughs) Oh my God. Continue on smart ass. (laughs) Anyways, don't make me moan. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) By 1956, his career was so successful that he had gained a reputation for being England's wealthiest doctor. Well, I imagine so. Often your fucking patients and uh, getting written into their wills and everything. uh, kind of helps. Yeah, well, when a journalist by the name of Rodney Howworth reported this, he didn't have a source for his information either. So it could not have been true. He could have been going off the fact that he had such a good reputation. Um, Uh So, as a matter of fact, there was another article written later by another reporter that also didn't rely on a reliable source, which, you know, back then they probably didn't. Uh, This article stated he's probably the wealthiest general practitioner in England. Um, Some very... He did... Was the caretaker for several influential and famous individuals around the region that um, made up his patient list. People like an Olympic medalist named Lord Burgley, um, a painter by the name of Oswald Burley, B-I-R-L-E-Y, Admiral Robert Pendergrass from the Royal Navy, 
Um, a famous industrialist by the name of Sir Alexander McGuire. Was he a rear admiral? I'm just kind of curious. I don't know. <laughs> he also saw the 10th Duke of Devonshire, which was uh, Edward Cavendish. And he saw the chief constable of Eastbourne, Richard Walker, at that time. You know, if I ever became a lord, I would change my name. So I were there. My name would be Lord Have Mercy. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. How about the great lord? It's hard to be humble. <laughs> Not Midas. Everything you touch turns to gold. Sort of, except for my wiener. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that would be a tragedy. So anyways, rumors started flying about how Adams was mes- me- mentioned in approximately 132 of his patients' wills. See? Ah, see, I knew I was on to something. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the right track then, here with this yeah. asshole. Then on July 23rd, 1956, an anonymous caller call was received by the police in Eastbourne concerning a suspicious death. The caller actually turned out to be from a music hall. She was a music hall performer by the name of Leslie Henson. She, it concerned the unexpected death of her friend, Gertrude Hullett, which I'm sure you love that name too. I do. That's another hot and, name. Yeah. And so Gertrude was one of Adam's patients. After the Eastbourne medical examiner performed Gertrude's autopsy, they called it a postmortem, he reported back to the chief constable that he didn't think she had died from natural causes. Now, remember, he's seeing the chief constable as his... Right, as a patient. as a patient. So just want to throw that in there. Upon receiving the coroner's report, the the authorities did question everyone known to have contact with her during the hours before her death. However, they quickly learned that the majority of these people actually thought she was suicidal. Oh, shit. Yeah, they thought that she had committed suicide, and that's how she died. The lawyer responsible for executing her estate was also a friend of hers, and he provided law enforcement (coughs) with three specific (coughs) letters. The letters were placed with her will and had been written during the month of April 1956. The letters were A, B, and C. Next on Sesame Street. No. Oh. (laughs) The letters actually indicated that she was contemplating suicide. Fucking brutal. Yeah. So when the home office pathologist performed a second autopsy, he concluded that her death could be attributed to barbiturate poisoning. And after the autopsy was performed, that autopsy was performed on August 17, 1956, Metropolitan Police Murder Squad took, that's what they were called. See, and I love that, honestly, all my jokes aside, I think that any of the homicide investigators... They should be saying, I'm with the Portland Murder, Murder Squad. Squad. Yeah, We're remember the Soul Brothers back when the Noodler? <laughs> I think that's awesome. We should have yeah. groups like the Soul Brothers, yeah. the Murder Squad. They team up to fight crime. <laughs> that sounded so like a fucking TV show announcer right there. That, that was my point. Yeah, the commercials. And so they took over the murder, the investigation from the Eastbourne Police Department. And I think they did that because of the relationship the chief constable had with Dr. Adams. So Detective Superintendent Herbert Hannum from Scotland Yard was the senior officer on this case. That sounds like somebody who would work for Scotland Yard. Like, seriously. Yeah. That's he sounds Scotland, like he has that authoritative. Like, like he's smoking a pipe and wearing the Scotland Yard 
hat like uh, like Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. Let's see here, uh, Watson. Or those, like, kind of dome-style hats. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The Scotland Yard dome. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah, or bowler hat. Yeah. Something like that, and then suck it on his pipe. Watson, I think that this lady here died from an overdose of barbiturates given to her by none other than... Dr. Adam. Dun, 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 dun. It's Arrest elementary, him. dear Watson. Elementary. It's, ele- <laughs> it's elementary, dear Watson. Yeah. Elementary. Yeah. Arrest the scoundrel. Uh, arrest the scoundrel, Dr. John Bodkin Adams, immediately. Yeah, he was actually, um, I'm going to go into another case here for a second, because Hannum was actually known for getting a conviction back in 1953 for the Teddington Towpath murders. I'm sorry, the what? It's called the Teddington Towpath murders. I'll explain. (laughs) That, that was is when, fun. yeah. That sounds like a kid's show. Yeah, it does kind of a little. Next bit. on Teddington Towpath, we see Teddy Teddington going to town with Almost his sister. Teddington the bear, right? With his sister Tina. <laughs> Teddy and Tina. And I see him just skipping along, going, "Come on, we're going to town. La 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 la. Going to town. La 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 la. He done like Paddington la, 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 the bear la, la, and Clifford the dog. La. <laughs> You're so. Stupid, la, la. dude. Yay, we made it to town. Are you finished? You don't want me in town. That hurts my feelings. You're hurting my feelings. La, 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 You're hurting la, la, la. my ears a little bit. <laughs> um, so that was when two teenage female teenagers were killed along the towpath trail. It was a trail along the river. Um, and it was actually located in the Teddington Lock. So Teddy the towpath. Um, Teddy Teddy along the, goes to the locks. Yeah, it was along the River Thames in England. <laughs> I've heard about that. I actually read a, I read a couple of books that they're, they're, they're fiction called like Murder on the Thames. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, that occurred on May 31st, 1953. Now, uh, ow, damn. Uh, Alfred Charles Whitley, or White, Whiteway, excuse me, was... <laughs> Dead serious, that's his name's White Way. I was going the white way. You was going the wrong way. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that. You thought I was gonna be prejudiced. Yeah, I did you? think you were gonna go racist on that I one. Didn't. I apologize. Oh you sh- that hurts my feelings. Remember, I have more than one black friend. And, and you married a Mexican. And I married a Mexican, therefore I cannot be Yeah, well, I married a Korean. That's different. And I had a black boyfriend, so there you go. Oh, I see. He wasn't my only black friend because my uh-huh. other friend was named Marvin. So Marvin's definitely a black name. Hello, Marvin, brother. I'm yeah, pain, brother. I love Marvin. So, Marvin's lives matter. Yeah, he was awesome. He is awesome. I guess he's still alive. So Charles Whiteway <laughs> was convicted of the murders, and he was hanged for them. The case received so much public attention from the press; it was deemed one of Scotland Yard's most notable triumphs in the century. Um, Whiteway's defense attorney, Peter Rawlinson, contended that the majority of the evidence against his client had been fabricated by the police. Now, more specifically, he was concerned about the way the police obtained Whiteway's confession. I have this itch that won't go They didn't away. do it the white way. <laughs> Apparently not. They did it the wrong way. You're so stupid. They're looking for an Asian. Are you done? Saying they're looking for an Asian if they're going to go the wrong way. <laughs> Anyways, Rawlinson based his entire defense strategy on this claim. 
So at the time, he subjected Hannum, the lead detective, to what people considered a very sharp cross-examination. After the White Way trial, the public began to have a new opinion about the way Scotland Yard operated because they thought they were some shady motherfuckers. No pipes. No pipes for any of you or bowler hats. Away. <laughs> yeah. No, those really long. Yeah. I wish I knew what the fuck those Scotland Yard hats were called because I can make such good jokes about well, that Well, they almost look like fezes, but rounded. <laughs> the round ones... Are like those are bowler hats. No, you're talking about the short round ones. I'm talking about the taller round ones, like they the were that they pipe hats. No, that's that's more like a top hat. Look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. I have them on my game on my iPad. You know what? Hang tight because I can talk to my fucking phone. Yeah, you can talk to what your phone. What kind of hat did Sherlock Holmes wear? He wore a bowler hat. Detective Deerstalker hat. Okay. Brimmed hat. And they look like that. Yeah, so that's kind of... But these other ones are taller. But yeah. Like, see, when you say taller, I'm looking at this hat. I'm thinking like okay. Napoleon Bonaparte, no, but they, going Look up right constable way. hats in the 1920s. I think it'll be constable on there. The um, anyways, so there was such a backlash um, from the press. Oh, okay. My bad. Those are like, yeah. Anyways, from the press at the time that um, Hannum released a statement to the public saying to the effect of detectives must sometimes ignore the law when dealing with a suspect. Oh, no, that's not shady at all. No, that sounds legit. Yeah. Yeah. So as a result of that statement, by the time he took over Adam's case, his methods were called into question. Well, you would think, yeah. especially if you say some bullshit like that. Like, seriously, yeah. you know what my attorneys would do if a cop said that? Like, hey, sometimes as a detective, while we were investigating Mr. Alexander, you have to ignore the law. My attorneys would be like, ha, 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 ha. guess what? <laughs> but yeah. Mr. Alexander now owns you motherfuckers. That's what he does right now. That shit would not fly for a yeah. fucking second. Yeah, nobody would ever be committed, I mean, convicted <laughs> if that were the case no. in our day and age. No, and I'd fucking own Portland. Yeah. Like, seriously. Well, yeah. Vancouver, because they're the ones well, that Vancouver. are going to convict you. Yeah, because yeah. fucking Vancouver PD hates my guts because yeah. I'm a fucking suspect on everything. Yeah. But, yeah, fucking, that's the stupidest thing you can say. Obviously, they hired fucking retards at the time, because I know how much you love that word. Uh, I hate that to, oh, I, I got a statement. I got a statement. Sometimes you have to ignore the law when you get to convicted people. And you're like, oh, I see. You're special. <laughs> Put your fucking helmet on, dude. You don't, you don't work here anymore. Yeah, you wear a helmet. You don't wear a detective cap. Yeah, it's like, we're going to spank you. Quit licking the windows. That's gross. Yeah. yeah. But it's my favorite flavor. It's clear. <laughs> it tastes like That's less. yours. <laughs> That's my favorite color. Uh, <laughs> it's not chrome? No, it's shiny. Oh, <laughs> so is so chrome. But in the case, in this case, however, Hannum and, oh no. Okay, so for the Adams case, um, Hannum brought in a detective sergeant by the name of Charles Hewitt to assist him. Hannum realized that in this case, he was facing an unusual dilemma. 
Now, usually his team investigated cases where the crime happened and all they had to do was find their suspect responsible, which is how they normally go, right? Isn't that normally how that shit goes? Am I fucking missing something? No. So in this case, however, Hannum and Hewitt had a suspect that they believe committed more serious crimes than the ones he had been charged with. They had to find a way to link Adams to something more tragic than prescription forgery, providing false statements, and mishandling narcotics. Now that's, okay, okay. Stop right the motherfucking there. Mm-hmm. So we already had this asshole saying sometimes you have to ignore the law, and now they're trying to pin shit that he may or may not have done on him. Right. But you're not saying that they have reasonable suspicion like, hey. we They just have that anonymous think, phone call. We kind of yeah. think he may have done this. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about. They have someone not, you know, I can make anonymous calls all fucking day and night. Right. It doesn't and she mean did die of a barbiturate overdose. However, if she was suicidal, that makes sense. It does. I mean, think about it. Yeah. A lot of people OD themselves on booze and pills. Yeah. To, to, to die. Yeah. Because nothing out of the fucking normal. Yeah, reporters actually suggested later that Hannah became so obsessed with his theory that Adams had actually killed quite a lot of his elderly patients in order to cash in on their inheritance. Um, So the detective superintendent actually came up with this theory of suspicion when he received knowledge about Adams being listed as a beneficiary of of the case. When the sus, when in fact this is Hannah's. Theory, when in fact the inheritance he received, you know, so he thought, you know what, he killed him because he was a beneficiary. Which okay, that I can kind of agree yeah. with because we we're already seeing a history here, right? Seeing, well, not a history, but a, well, a history, but a pattern mm-hmm. because it happened with at least one or two of the previous right people. But the inheritance he received from each will of the deceased was not very large. In comparison, that he would have, he was considered more nothing more than a minor beneficiary. But my counter to that is sometimes it's not about the amount of the money; it's about the act itself. Yeah, it's um, and this is what I've noticed with a lot of our killers. Um, since we've been doing this, I I've researched serial killers for years and years. I just haven't researched them as in depth as we've been doing. True. You know, and we haven't seen the fucked up part of society <laughs> like we do now. No shit, but. Some, you know, people say, well, he can't be a suspect because, you know, he only inherited a thousand dollars. Right. Right. But maybe that's the part of the thrill is completing the cycle. Yeah. And you know what? And that's your reward at the end. 32 deaths. The amount of money he received from all of them adds up. In in a hurry. Yeah. In a hurry. Yeah. one dollar by itself. If I hand you one dollar, that's not very much money. No, but if you hand me a dollar every day, if you had one hundred and thirty thousand people hand you one dollar, yeah, that's 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 something. Yeah. That's something, exactly. man. Exactly, that's a car payment. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, one hundred and thirty thousand with one dollar—that's one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. It's more than one car payment. Oh, it's I know. a whole fucking car. I was waiting for your math skills to kind of yeah, catch up. Yeah, because I was like, that made no sense. No, yeah, that's that, that's that's you know. Fucking paying for like maybe a third of a house. I was gonna this. say, yeah. Nowadays, that's like, you know, one bedroom. But no, uh, right across the street, that house that was for sale, one bedroom, and looked really nice inside, but it only had one bedroom, so I didn't buy it. That sold for three hundred and. Oh no, one bedroom house in this neighborhood. 
320,000, I think it was, or 330. It was something, yeah, in this neighborhood. And the housing market right now is just stupid. But it's, with a one bedroom. It's a seller's market. Right now. Yeah, that's why I'm waiting for the economy to collapse because, like I said before, I'm going to walk into my million yeah. or two million dollar home for half the price. Y- yeah. So, anyways, the investigators on Hannum's team chose to focus their attention only on the deaths which occurred from the last decade, 1946 to 1956. They discovered 310 <coughs> death certificates. Because remember, back then, they didn't exhume bodies. Right. Okay? Because remember, we ran into that. They didn't start exhuming them in England until, in the Great Britain until Shipman's case. Right. And that's mostly because of the, the transference of diseases. Yeah. I started reading some bullshit about that. It's because of so many diseases and shit like that. You know, and uh, antibiotics. And they didn't use gloves. Yeah, and antibiotics were just coming to uh-huh. the light to say, hey, like penicillin and shit like this will cure these kind of bacterial right, right, infections. Right. So it's just coming to fruition of, you know, of how to treat things. So you have these bodies that are in the ground. They're rotting, creating bacteria. You don't know what you're going to catch from it. And if you do catch something from it because you're not smart enough to Yeah, because they didn't use formaldehyde back then either. Right. Yeah. And they didn't have things like fucking like, you know, rubber gloves and. The little snap. That's what my doctor says to me every time. She always says, try to relax, snap, and then my butthole, it just Puckers. tightens up. And it's, I swear to God, if she had a lump of coal and said that, she would have a diamond within an hour. It would just crush her right. <laughs> that is so funny because my aunt used to say that if my, my uncle was so tight with his money that if you shoved a lump of coal up his ass in a, in a month, you'd have a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, nothing scares me more than any doctor. Even ones like when I had, uh, you know, Cameron Coffee as my doctor, and I love Cameron. But every time, and he 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 was a gentleman, to say the <laughs> least. Not a gentleman, but a gentleman. And he would say, "Okay, Scott, you know what it's time for, buddy. Just try to relax. You know, I'm going to be gentle." And he and I trusted him. I had him for years. Butthole. Just like that. <laughs> Just like constricted so tight you couldn't get Poor anything ca- up there. Poor huh? cameras. Dude, come on, buddy. Come on. You got to relax. It's going to be a lot easier if you relax. I got to get this done. Come on. I'm, so, I'm trying, but you're going to poke me in my poopy hole. And this isn't good. So bad. Then I cry and curl in the fetal position. Yeah, He touched me in my no-no place. Sarah McLaughlin's sad songs are playing in the background <laughs> while I'm in the shower. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, of the three, because, you know, the death certificates um, they that needed a closer look. After that, the certificates were looked at more thoroughly by the home office medical pathologist, a guy by the name of Francis Camps. Um, when he finished with his analysis, he said that there were approximately 163 out of 310 that warranted a more in-depth investigation. Now, one reason he suggested the need for a closer inspection was because he noticed something <coughs> alarming. An abnormally high percentage, he figured 42% of Adam's 310 patients in question had cerebral thrombosis, which is a brain hemorrhage. Okay, that's what I thought that was. A- yeah, um, as listed as a cause of death. This was in comparison to Great Britain's national average during the 50s, which was closer to 15%. Right. Right, right. So, yeah, well, and a brain hemorrhage is not that common even today. No, it isn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
we still don't really know what causes brain hemorrhage. Just yeah, this well, day, I had so. a friend in elementary school who died of a brain hemorrhage. Oh, brutal! But she had a um, blood vessel in her brain that was they knew that when she was little had it and too much stress or strain would have caused it to burst. And she had the flu really bad. And as she was puking, it burst. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. That'll fucking do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I, like I said, I was in like fifth grade when she passed away. Uh, the second reason camps drew his conclusion for further to further investigate these patients was he noticed with these deaths, Adam patients passed away while they were in a coma. To him, this suggested that the patient was more than likely issued doses of narcotics, such as barbiturates, and this would have attributed to their cause of death as much as a brain hemorrhage would. And here's the bizarre thing. uh, Well, not really bizarre, but one of the things that we can be thankful for for technology in today's medical community is that if you said, okay, this person died of an overdose of barbiturates, they really can't identify it. They always bring it down to it's got to be morphine. Yeah. Something like that, right? And now they'll sit there and tell you, no, this is exactly what it was. Yeah. And we found this many, uh, you know, milligrams in their system when the acceptable dose is this many, is this much, and we can actually almost track the fucking manufacturer. Yeah. Exactly. Which my doctor gives me volume (laughs) every time I fucking fly. Well, my old doctor did. I just have to call him up and say, I'm taking a trip. He goes, I'll call it in. (laughs) Does does he help you with your broom, too? No. Oh, when I fly. (laughs) Shut up. I get it now. I got to put the tea kettle on. I'll be right back. So keep talking. Okay. Are you making tea? Close. Hot buttered rums. Oh, I almost love you. And then we have boozy hot chocolate, too, with whipped cream. Oh. Everybody's getting drunk today. We're going to day drink. Okay. That, I, you know, ain't no better drinking than day drinking. That is true. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. After he submitted his reports to law enforcement, they went out and gathered a plethora of statements from the relatives of Adam's patients and the nurses who were responsible for their treatment. Now, you're going to find out something weird here in a second. A few of the statements were considered favorable. When you say weird, I think you're going to say something like, I'm wearing underwear that aren't mine. No, well, mine I think are that mine. mine. I'm not wearing. Okay. I thought maybe I could be wearing yours or Jake's or. You could be wearing. The Mexicans wear, next door. I don't know. Have I left underwear here before? God, I, I hope taken? not. Well, because I would have. I I I've taken a shower in your shower before because you have water pressure. Oh, yeah. So, you know. Um, so, let's see. A few of the statements, like I said, were favorable towards Adams and his practices. However, there were some of those questions, some of the people who were questioned stated that Adams was seen giving his patients a, quote, special injection. (laughs) Shut up, Scott. It's odd that you say that because I think about your mom and giving her that special injection for her health. There are some times when I actually hate saying words and phrases when we're presenting because (laughs) I know you. Why are you so mean to me? I'm looking out for your mom, but do you love your mom enough to look out for her health? Scott, I'm afraid to say things because when we went to Home Depot and got your shower head, (laughs) everything I mentioned, (laughs) oh, and the little (laughs) stopper for your toilet, I said, you need the plug thing in your, like, <laughs> the toilet plug. And you go, yep, I do need a toilet. And it's like, no. And then we were talking about your shower head. And I said, do you have the big head? And you go, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And it's like, I can't say anything to you. <laughs> anything. It's good times. Good times. Yeah, no, not so much. 
So anyways, the substance in those injections, when the cops asked, the nurses actually claimed they didn't know what was in them. Um, And when they did ask Adams, he flat out refused to tell them what was in the injections. So the nurses that were interviewed said that Adams often asked them to vacate the room before he administered each injection. And they also claimed that Adams would keep his patients isolated away from their families. He often hindered or limited the contact his patient had with their relatives. And this problem with these statements, however, was the nurses in question were being difficult. They flat out verbally stated they would not, under any circumstances, give the detectives a sworn statement regarding their accusations. But then, That's because they wanted a spanking. Yeah, nurse. whatever. No, so this is the thing, though. We have seen many times that abusers and people who are doing this stuff isolate their victims often because they don't want their families to know what is going on. Um, to step in. So later during Adam's trial, the claims made by Gertrude's nurses were brought into question because they are actually all of the nurses. They swore that they did not have knowledge of what the injections were, nor had they been in the room when Adams had administered them. But the nurses sworn statements were disproven when the contents of what they had written in their notebooks, their logs, was entered into evidence because it contradicted those statements. Um, And I'll get into those probably the next time. So on August 24th, 1956, every doctor in Eastbourne received a letter that was sent from the British Medical Association, or BMA. Shut up, Scott. (laughs) I have BMs all the time. Yeah, and I'm sure you have a BMA. Um, the letter was to remind them about the professional secrecy or doctor-patient confidentiality that should the authorities interview any of them, okay? So I, I'm actually surprised that they had that back then because they didn't have a whole lot of fucking yeah. laws and shit going on to protect, to yeah. protect anybody. And all. So let me get this right. Let me get this right, okay? They're, the the nurses are all like, we're not going to give you any information. They got all these other fucking laws that pretty well say you have no rights. But all of a sudden they're going, remember what happens between you and your patient. That's your secret. That's fucking stupid, man. Yeah, well, you'll find out something here in a minute about them. So, however, oh, so this move, of course, frustrated law enforcement. Um. However, a few of the doctors who were questioned ignored that letter and provided their statements. And the statements given were in relation to the deceased patients in one situation where a person was still alive. Okay? Oh, no, fair enough. And that's yeah. the way it should be. Like, yeah, seriously. Exactly. Well, however, the BNA, the BMA had issued the letter for a specific reason. The National Health Services had been established in 1948. Up until that time in 1956, it's basically a union. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wages of the BMA members had virtually been the same for almost a dec- almost 10 years. Jesus Christ. So they weren't even receiving a cost of living adjustment. It's fucking ridiculous. Man. Yeah, because even people in Social Security receive that adjustment. Therefore, the BMA was attempting to negotiate better terms on their member contracts. So 
This move by the BMA later resulted in a formal discussion about whether the doctors would launch a full-on strike. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, facing the issue of the letter, Great Britain's Attorney General, a guy by the name of Sir Reginald Manning hyphen Bowler. Oh, see. Manningham Bowler. That is a fucking nether bullshit name. Yeah, and it's hyphenated, though. I don't care. You could put an asterisk in a high school. You could put two dancing hookers in there. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That is a stupid fucking name. apostrophe. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's retarded, man. It actually sounds like a name of a legal, like a law office. The Manningham Buller Association, you know. And I'm making fun of your guys, but just wait until I give you one of the names off my Thursday episode. Oh, my God. You're going to be like, you're shaking your head going, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Come on, Scott. This is like uh, fucking part 18, and you're still on the name. Well, and remember how you've talked about that? It's like too many fucking names. Mexicans. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's some white people, though, too. My son has four. Mine's from an Irish family. Oh. uh, And why they, well, she married a Spanish uh, officer. But uh, the, the name is, I'm not kidding you, she's got like, it's it, it, it's like looking it's at a, a female, huh? Yeah, it's a female for Thursday. Oh, but yeah, the the fucking name of her daughter is like I don't know. It, it, it is longer than uh, than than my block. You thought wow. I was gonna say something else, huh? Yeah, I did. You had that look I like it's you longer were than my say, dick. Yeah, no, no, I thought you were gonna say. But that's, that's okay. what. Yeah, that's what I was saying. My dick, my, my yeah. cock. Yeah. Goggle <laughs> <laughs> doodle. That's what I say to your mom. I go goggle doodle do baby. Good morning. No. So <laughs> I feel like chicken tonight. Shut up. Manningham Buller uh, sent a letter to the BMA secretary at the time, a guy by the name of Angus McRae. See, I love the name Angus because whenever I hear that, I think of Angus Young, of course, from ACDC. But I, al- I also think of some big, burly guy going, I, my name is Angus. I'm here from the locks. I wrestled Nessie and I wrestled you too. This guy's from... Ireland, but you know what the weird thing is? Angus. Is I think of cows. Oh yeah, okay. Like because yeah. we had an Angus bull. <laughs> we had an Angus buller. No. <laughs> Do I look like a gullah bull or even a gullah calf? You're so dumb. <laughs> Ste- I'm gonna go check steer? on hot buttered rubs. Yeah. Steer you in the right direction. Shut up! You're <laughs> so bad. So, anyways, he sent this letter to Angus McRae. Now, Manningham Buller was actually known for only prosecuting cases that involved poison. Uh, he was also known for his mad disco moves, too. <laughs> Manningham Buller's disco That's moves. right, man. That, that ball came out, that, that reflective uh, disco ball. He was staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> he so won two dumb. eight-track players. You are so dumb. There goes the teapot. His letter to McCray was... An effort to, quote, try to get him to remove the ban. The issue was at an impasse until November 8th. Um, That's when Manningham Buller had a meeting with McCray in an effort to convince the man that the case against Adam was one of importance. Now, um, during the Manningham Buller-McCray meeting, and you're going to want to hear this, Scott. The Fort uh, Manningham Buller did something that would be called highly unusual move. He actually handed uh, Hanneman's 100-page police report on Adams, which is supposed to remain confidential, 
over to McCray for him to read it for himself. He claimed his intention for doing this was in order to convince the BMA that the accusations against Adam were very serious and they needed attention. Um, they needed, they needed, excuse me, they needed the cooperation from the doctors to investigate fully. Now, McCray took this report and read it before taking it to the BMA president and returned it to Manningham Buller the following day. That's all it took for the BMA uh, to take the accusations against Adams seriously because McCray quit opposing the doctors from answering law enforcement's questions. He sent him a letter saying, you know what, you know, cooperate with law enforcement. So this move caused people to speculate that before he returned the report, he had made copies that he passed along to Adams' defense team. A great number of conspiracy theorists have come to the conclusion that Manningham Buller had handed over the report, full-on intending to assist the defense team with their case. However, there was nev there's never been any evidence supporting their conclusions. Um, the fact that he handed the report over at all brought into question his competence, and therefore it comes as no surprise that the press and public during the time criticized him strongly for his actions. Now, on November 25th, 1956, an opposition Labor Party member of Parliament, two of them actually, by the names of Stephen Swingler and Hugh DeLargy. Yeah, those are names. Wait a minute. Awesome, thank you. Swingler sounds awful fucking familiar. Yeah, he's probably one of your porn buddies. <laughs> that is nice and hot. Yes, I am. Oh, oh shit! Are you okay? Fine. Would you knock over? Oh my god! It's but the flesh wound. Oh, my it's fucking like we're toe. gonna fall. Yeah, my fucking toe got ripped off. But the flesh wound. Yeah, well, that's why you should wear shoes. Although I don't wear shoes in my house. Oh, but son of a bitch! Raised in an Asian family, so um, these two actually submitted a notice that they had two questions for the House of Commons. Okay, on the whole Manningham Buller incident. One question the pair wanted to answer was exactly what reports the Attorney General had had given to McCray. Um, <coughs> and this is before, just so we can catch this up, this is before the right of discovery. Yeah. Which is, in, in America, what that means is like, let's say that you boys and girls here in the States are... Get in trouble. You, you get in trouble. Yeah. It's the, called an evidentiary hearing. Right. You're, you're, yeah. The prosecutor and the defense have to share mm -hmm. the evidence that they have both ways. Yeah. If they don't, then it's contempt of court. Right. <laughs> and exactly. It's a, and it'll be ruled a mistrial. Right. Exactly. If, and if anything is found out later that they withheld anything, it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a mistrial, and actually, if it's, you'll, if yeah, it, your conviction will get overturned, and you'll get a new trial. And on top of that, you can you stand a chance of getting disbarred. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, the attorneys will get in lots it, of it's trouble. Pretty fucking harsh. So, they wanted to know actually what reports he had actually sent to the GMC or General Medical Council over the past six months to find out what he would have been sending people. Uh, to answer this question, Manningham Buller responded by saying that he handed no commi co uh, communications with, he had no commission, excuse me, I wrote this wrong. 
he had no communications with the GMC, the General Medical Council. He said that he only had communication with one of the members. One. Yeah. One GMC member. So uh, he never uh, uh. mentioned anything about the report when he gave his reply. His response did, however, cause the security in his firm to launch an investigation in order to determine if there was a leak in the department. There was. It was in the bathroom. Ruined the floors. Whatever. So the conclusion Manningham Buller's investigators came to was that Hannum was the leak. Aha! And that he was the one that gave a journalist information about the meeting he had conducted with McCray. And he Otherwise, did it. Otherwise, nobody would have known about what he handed to McCray. And he did it in the library with a candlestick while he was in operation. Shut Working up. with Colonel Mustard. Yeah, well, anyways, Hannum and then pointed out that Adams' patients had, oh no, Hannum and Adams met with each other on October 1st, 1956, okay? At the meeting, Adams asked, quote, you are finding all these rumors untrue, aren't you? And in answer to the questions, Hannum brought up one prescription that Adam had forged, in which Adams responded by saying, that was very wrong. I have had God's forgiveness for it. Because, you know, he's highly religious. And I feel that the Lord has forgiven me, too, of all of my sins and indiscretions. You hear that from serial killers right before they're executed. Every fucking time. Almost. Not, yeah, not every time, but yeah, they, they go- found Jesus. I'm going to go like 99% of the time. Yeah. It's okay because the Lord will judge me, and I found Jesus, and he has forgiven me. I just want to pray a little bit there, Lord. And you're like, bullshit. You found you, you think you, you got all religious because you got busted, and you're getting ready to die, and you're trying to make amends because of what yeah. you did. Well, yeah, well, and that's the sad part is a lot of people who commit a lot of crimes think that all they have to do is ask forgiveness and everything's forgiven. Well, I've, I've said that about Christianity all along, though. It's the ultimate religion where you can do whatever the fuck you want, and as long as, by the end, you say, hey, I need I need some forgiveness, and I'm sorry, and I mean it, and you're in my heart, Jesus, boom, you're, you're fine. This is actually the perfect combination of hot buttered rum and... That's why you need an alcoholic like me to make the Christmas drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do eggnog so much, but eggnog and rum... Bomb diggity. That's pretty good, but Ignog by itself, I keep telling Jake, that's, it's that's thick as fuck. That's elf jizz. That's what it is. I keep on telling him, he might as well just throw it on his back and, you know, pretend that he got laid. <laughs> that's the only way he's going to get laid. Sorry, Jake. That's fucked up. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know you were thinking the same thing. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not allowed to what? He, he said that I'm not allowed to do his Christmas party anymore. Yeah, well, I love my son. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you're cut out of my will. Um, let's see. That was it. You're like coming over on that. I didn't hear what exactly what you Ow. said, but I'll find out later. Fire, I can tell you that. Yeah, I've done that before. I've actually dropped a cigarette on myself when I used to flick cigarettes out the window. Yeah, I quit doing that. <laughs> I burned my nipple once. Did you really? Yeah, I was driving over. <laughs> I was driving. I flicked it out the window, and it came back and landed in my pocket. And all uh, of a sudden, I'm and driving. And you didn't realize it? No, I'm a, what the fuck is burning? God damn it. Oh, fuck, it's me. <laughs> Big old welt on my Yeah, nipple. I'm glad I had to go back in the house this morning because somehow the stove got turned on, and a frying pan was on the burner with a plastic bowl in it. 
Oh, shit. So, yeah, I hope I don't have to throw that frying pan away. I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. Whatever. I love that frying pan. (laughs) Anyway, so Hannum then pointed out Adam's patients that had died and how he had received inheritance from them. And Adam replied to that statement by saying a lot of those were fees instead, um, you know, for his care. And he says, I don't want money. What use is it? So he didn't want to be paid for his fees in cash. He wanted, you know, to get items instead. Which that's part, I can see kind but that's, of. That's part of taking the trophies, though. Yeah. It ends the, the process. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why I started thinking it's. While the amounts weren't big, it could be the end of the cycle. Right. You know, that's, you, you can equivocate it to um, the serial killers that take and keep articles of clothing. Right. Or jewelry. jewelry. That's a big yeah. one is a jewelry. Or you know? hair, locks of hair. Or, or other body parts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not about a monetary value. It's about being able to look back and go, oh, yeah, I inherited a thousand pounds because of this person or you know even or i inherited you'll find a car or right or you know hey i got a golden pen yeah after this person died, it's it's a yeah because he went back and took that remember right. it's not about a monetary value right it's about the trophy that's what i'm i already cued in on on this dude already it's, it has nothing to do with the money yeah the trophy well and he did say it's not with the money yeah it has nothing to do with money yeah and then he says the reason why it wasn't about the money and why he preferred the inheritance was because he had paid 1,100 pounds of super tax in one year. That's when one tax gets levied on another tax. It's just like when you your federal taxes tax your state taxes. Yes. Oh, oh, don't fucking get me started about the IRS. And if you're an IRS agent, I know you're going to fucking audit me, but fuck yourself. Yeah. Hang yourself, drink some goddamn fuck. God damn, don't get me fucking started in a yeah. motherfucking goddamn yeah. checks I got to write. Yeah, they not only tax your state income taxes, which I think is fucked up because you're taxing a tax. Yeah. But they also tax your kicker if you get a kicker check. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't I ever fucking know it when, when I qualify for anything. They go, oh, hey, here's a little bit of cash to help you out, Scott. And then they go, oh, by the way. They even wanted to cash. They wanted to tax our fucking... Uh, Stimuli. Stimulus checks out. Yeah. You know, fucking, it's just goddamn ridiculous. Fuck. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I get worked up over the IRS every quarter. I bet you do. It just, it makes my asshole literally bleed. Yeah. I hated it when, because I did my taxes every quarter when I was an independent contract, which they tell you that you should put a certain amount in the savings account to cover your. Taxes? An escrow account, yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't always do that, so. No, you should always have a tax escrow account. Yeah, now I know. And Uh, especially a savings account, because you'll get interest on that, so. Well, the same with an escrow account. You have an interest-bearing escrow account. Oh. Um, So a little thing, if you guys are going to start your own business, just to help you out, research what, number one, what you're going to do. Make sure you got a good market for what you're going to do. Right. But the other thing is, you need to set up specific accounts to do specific things. Number one is your tax tax escrow. You put the amount, you work with a CPA, they'll tell you the percentages that you need, Mm -hmm. put that money away. Then you need a... 
It's you, usually around 20%. Then you need a maintenance account. No matter what you do, if you're doing computers, if you're doing, if you're a musician, if you're doing podcasts, things need to be maintained. And yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. be caught out of, uh, you know, caught by surprise. Put money inside yeah, that maintenance everything account. everything breaks down. Yeah. yeah. That way there, when you got to buy a new monitor, like I had to right here in the mount to mount the motherfucker, you're not sitting there going, oh, shit, I got to come up with this money. Don't make me mention the chairs in my laptop. That is in next year's budget. Just saying. God damn it. <laughs> I know I keep bringing it up. My laptop is slow as fuck sometimes. So anyways. It wears a helmet and it looks windows. Shut up. It has windows, but it licks them. Yeah. This can also more, more commonly be called today a tax surcharge. Right. So there you have it. That's what a super tax was. After that, Hannah asked him, had mentioned Mr. Hullet, which is Gertrude's husband who died, left him 500 pounds. In response to that, Adam says, now, now, he was a lifelong friend. I even thought it would be more than it was. <laughs> yeah. So, Hannah finally got around to the real question. Why did Adam state on all of the cremation forms that he was not to inherit from the deceased? Ooh. Yeah, and those are like certified documents. That, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty fucking major right there. If you're yeah. saying you're not going to inherit Especially from him and you're getting money. when that statement is untrue. Right. Yeah. So this is Adam's response to that question. Oh, do tell. That wasn't done wickedly. God knows it wasn't. We always want cremations to go off smoothly for the dear relatives. If I said I was getting money under the will, they might get suspicious and I will... And I like cremations and burials to go smoothie. There was nothing suspicious, really. It was not deceitful. Um, it was okay. completely deceitful. And, yeah, they're going to get suspicious because... That shouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Here I'm thinking that fucking Adams had a half a brain in his head. And then shipment. I mean, it's kind of along the lines it's of shipment. Shipment. Now. And who's that other asshole that got busted by the same detective Shipman did? Um, uh, Norris. Norris. Yeah, Norris. Um, Colin Norris. No, it was yeah, Colin Norris. That's Colin go. Norris. That was the other one, and that's what they needed back in John Adams' days. They need super detective. Yeah, because he beats he he totally beats Scotland Yard. Yeah, and that justice guy. Yeah. Yep, those two right there. They're like they're like the Batman and Robin of fucking yeah yeah English law totally, enforcement. Totally, you know. So on, <laughs> kind of like Judge Ito. <laughs> Quick justice to the mini to the mini Cooper. <laughs> I have a friend that drives a mini Cooper. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I told anyone to take me for a ride somewhere. I'm like, that is like a tiny ass car. And you know, I always have the th the stereotype of smart cars is either really old women or really fat men. So <laughs> whenever somebody says, "Hey, I just bought a Mini Cooper," and they show me a picture, a nice clown car, man. You joined the <laughs> yeah. circus. What's happening with that shit? Yeah, I actually saw a smart car that was painted like the freaking little tykes. Kids' car. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, it was so cute. That's fucking ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. <laughs> okay. It is, yeah. It so, is. on November 24th, Hanneman Hewitt enlisted the help of the head of the Eastbourne Criminal Investigation Department, a guy by the name of Detective Inspector Pugh, P-U-H-G. He was Shut stinky. Peppy Le Pew. Actually, I bet you, since they don't have guns, he just took his fingers out of his pockets. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Got you. I got you too. Do the 
They still don't Pew. carry guns over there. No, they don't, which is stupid. I think they should carry rocket launchers. Yeah, that's why when the guy was shooting up something over there, they didn't have somebody, a doctor, doctor or somebody actually stepped in and tackled the guy because the officers don't have guns. Yeah, what England, which you all need seriously, you need some people to train with guns. Yeah. And snipers. Yeah, that too. Well, and it's like, I kind of understand why they don't use guns on the streets, but at the same time, so they don't have the freaking, you know, police shootings over there like we do here. But at the same time, if you have a freaking dangerous criminal, you kind of need it. Here's the thing. If you train somebody as a sniper and they're using a standard 30 caliber round, so let's say 308, that's pretty common. Okay. All right, you give them a nice fucking scope. They can lay that bullet right in there, and the difference is one or two people dying and several hundred. Blow that motherfucking motherfucker's heart right through his chest. Yeah. End the problem. Well, when my ex-boyfriend committed suicide, he was firing a gun out the house before, you know. Mm, right, right. And so there's actually a newspaper picture uh, a sniper on a rooftop, like literally two blocks away. Uh-huh. And it's like, I looked at it and I'm like, he's two blocks away. And somebody goes, don't matter. Doesn't matter, man. He said, if he's a good, I, this friend of mine, he was, it was a male who was a hunter. He says, if he is a good enough sniper, he could do it from half a mile away. Because those who shoot understand one thing. A bolt doesn't go straight. It's a catapult. Yeah, and it's you like you have in. to do trajectory how it like falls in. Yeah, uh huh. Three hundred eight round. Uh, and so that's why they freaking gauge the wind and everything. A standard three hundred eight round will drop right around six inches per every hundred yards. Okay, it's a hundred feet. So they no, shoot up and right. So if you're gonna do a chest shot, you're gonna aim for the forehead. If they're at a hundred yards, uh, you know, or the 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 bridge of their nose, and it'll bloop, bring it right down on target. Wow. Hit him right center fucking mass. And guess what? That cocksucker's not shooting anybody. Yeah. Well, and then it's like you have that and you also, I mean, and they know, you know, it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do wind trajectories, all that shit. Yeah. There's actually a math formula that goes uh, along with it. You have to, you calculate your, your wind variance, barom- uh, barometric pressure, uh, and your, your elevation. Oh, so you actually have to know math. You do. So, therefore, there's a reason to know math in real life. Just like, you know, you'll see in some of the movies about uh, people shooting up into a helicopter from the ground and hitting everybody on there. That never happens. That's an impossible shot. And the reason for that is you have the downward thrust of those rotor blades. Right. Plus, you're at a different pressure with wind variances coming in at different levels that you cannot account for. Right. It's impossible. You're not going to account for it. You're not going to kill Anybody, it, you might hit somebody with a stray shot, maybe. Okay, but chances of you hitting your target slim to fucking none. No, it's did not know that. Bullshit that they can do that. Wow, yeah, it's total horseshit. Good to know. No way to do the math on it. That's why. So yeah, well, you know, good to know because then I won't fucking try to shoot anybody in a helicopter. No, you just try to shoot me in normal real life. I've got fucking ten bullet wounds to show. Yeah, well. <laughs> I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if it was staring me in the face, my grandpa used to say. <laughs> my ass is big enough. Because that's that when really. I used to throw rocks, and he nice. said I threw like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him and go, I am a girl, Grandpa. So with, his, with that guy's help, they were issued a search warrant 
made out in Pew's name, actually, Pew, instead Pew. of Hannum's name, because, you know, he was under scrutiny. Right, because so, he's a peckerhead. Yeah, and they used the Dangerous Drugs Act of 1951 as their basis for getting the search warrant. Uh, when they arrived at Adam's residence, they told him they wanted to search for morphine, heroin, pethidine, which is Demerol, <coughs> oh, okay. and, and everything like that. So Adam seemed surprised. He said, oh, that group? You'll find none here, which comes into play in a second. I haven't any. I very seldom ever use them. He might be telling the truth. He rarely uses them himself. <laughs> See, that's not a lie. That's not a lie. I rarely use them. Because he's sleeping out myself. <laughs> For myself. But Ethel over here, she seems yeah. to have a fucking drug problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember when fucking Shipman tried to say that about his president? <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Hannum asked Adams to turn over his dangerous drugs register. And that was what doctors used back then to keep a record of the controlled medications they ordered. Right. Okay. So the register did not, however, tell them how the drugs were dealt, how the doctor used those drugs. Right. Okay. It's not like today with the computer locks on it. Yeah. They don't totally have different. all that. They don't have the med dispense, all that shit. Right. Thank you, Colin, because uh, you're yeah. keeping people from killing other people, such yeah. as myself. Yeah. Well, they haven't, but, you know, they've made it more difficult. Oh, well, yeah. But chances of my nurse or my doctor is trying to kill me is slim to none and not get caught. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, So... The register, oh, I already said that. Adam stated when they said that, I don't know what you mean. I keep no register. In fact, he hadn't kept a register for his control medications since 1949. However, a doctor failing to keep a register during that period was not uncommon. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of doctors didn't do it. Probably because they didn't want to freaking, you know... Because writing is hard sometimes. Yeah, it, it is time consuming. It's like every time I want to get morphine, I have to write it down. What? Or, you know, I ordered morphine. So, Jesus so Hannum then presented Adams with a list of dangerous drugs that he had written for a lady by the name of Mrs. Morell, which will come into play later. A prescription for, oh, written a prescription for her. He asked who had been the one to administer the medications. Adams answered, I did nearly all. Perhaps the nurses gave some, but it was mostly me. Which comes into play because the nurses said that they often had to leave the rooms, right? Right, okay. So this claim was contradicted during the trial, though, when the nurses' notebooks were allowed into evidence. Ooh, ouch, yeah. dude. John, you're fucking yourself over here. Yeah. Here we go. So Hannum told Adams that he'd observed... Oh, what he had observed. He says, doctor, you prescribed 75 and one six grains of heroin tablets the day before she died. Adams replied to that by saying, poor soul. She was in terrible agony. It was all used. He used them myself, meaning he had administered them himself. Do you think it was too much? Which I don't know because I don't know heroin and I don't know what that shit was. I tried to look it up, but it was a lot very difficult to understand. Yeah, I've never done heroin, so I have yeah. my Side note. Side note. Yeah. With all the drugs I've done, heroin's not one of them. Yeah, no. Um, the presiding judge in Adam's case, Sir Patrick 
Devlin said that Hannum often thought that his best evidence he gathered was in the form of what the suspects said while they were being interrogated. Not the actual evidence evidence. It's what they said. I like your shoes. They look really sexy. Want to play doctor? I have heroin. I have on my sliders right now, and I know you don't like those. Oh, your Crocs. They are not Crocs. They're Adidas, but okay. Okay, your Adidas Crocs. Hey, continue. Anywho. Um, your doggie is so cute. I love her. She's she's in love. Yeah. Um, he took this his statement further, you know, the judge did, when he said that both the authorities and the prosecutors based a significant portion of their case against Adams on his statements. Well, at least the parts Hannum stated he recorded of the admissions from Adam Adams. Um, Judge Devlin wasn't trying to suggest that Hannum's records of the statement wasn't truthful. In fact, he had determined they were remarkably accurate. However, the detective did place more emphasis on the matters he felt would best assist the prosecution's case. All right. Okay, which yeah. is normal, Fair enough, right? yeah. This, and then I said this practice was considered norm during that period. It's probably considered normal now, you know? So Judge Stefflin did feel that the proof regarding Adam's guilt should have mostly been based on as much as possible on actual facts, though. You would think. Which I understand that statement. It shouldn't be based on what the investigators recorded when they were obtaining any pretrial statements. He also stated that the admission made by Adams was to be taken in its entirety. Therefore, when Adams made a statement admitting that he had administered the 75 tablets of 12.5 grams of heroin, it couldn't be separated from his statement of claiming that Mrs. Morell had been in terrible agony. Okay. Yeah. So I get that. You know, don't take it out of context. So while the police were searching the Adam's house, he opened a cupboard for them to, to search through, right? But those cupboards were bare like old Mother Hubbard. No, the cupboards oh. were actually filled with bottles of medicine. And among those bottles, they noticed that there was chocolate, butter, margarine, and sugar. Which, to me, that's like it was a food cupboard that he was putting medication in, and he's a doctor. Where's your fingernail cupper? I have a chip nail. Um, I got to find. Oh, here it is. Yeah. So um, as the. Thank you. As the officers were looking in that cupboard, Adams went to another one and took out two items and he placed them in the pocket of his jacket. <laughs> okay. While Hannah and Pugh saw Adams do that, they questioned him about what the items were. The doctor took two bottles out of his pocket and both of them or for morphine <laughs> that he said he didn't have. Look what I just happened to find by accident. Yeah, and I'm going to hide them. <laughs> um, That's so, not suspicious at all. Yeah. So one of the bottles that, you know, the two noticed was for a lady by the name of Annie Sharp. She was both a patient of Adams and a major witness in their case. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. She did, however, just die nine days before before the search, while she was under Adam's care. Oh, yeah, is that a shocker? A uh, shocker. I, I'm yeah. just, 
I'm floored that that would happen to a key witness in their case. Yeah, like when fucking um, Marcel Patois. <laughs> yep. <laughs> how some people who were going to testify against him suddenly disappeared. I know. It's just but the weirdest damn thing. they left the country, thing. remember? <laughs> That's right. They fled the country. Yeah. They were Nazi sympathizers. Yeah, precisely. So the second bottle that they found was for a Mr. Soden or Sodden, S-O-D-E-N. So this guy had passed away back in September of 1956, so a couple months prior. However, the uh, detectives later got a hold of records from the pharmacy that indicated this guy had never received a prescription for morphine. Oh, damn. Yeah, so after Adam's main trial, which was held in 1957, he had another one. In fact... No, in that trial, he was found guilty of obstructing the search, concealing those bottles, and failing to keep a drug register. So it was based on that search. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, when Adams was at the police station later, he turned to Hannum and said, easing the passing of a dying person isn't all that wicked. She, meaning Mrs. Morell, wanted to die. That can't be murder. It is impossible to accuse a doctor. Okay. <laughs> we did that to Kevorkian. Right. I was going to say, yeah, they don't have assisted suicide or euthanasia. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that would still be illegal, dude. <laughs> it's still illegal in most United States. Oh, yeah, huh? And it's legal in Oregon, so you got to move to Oregon if you want to die medically. Yeah, medically. I want to go out in a blaze of glory, though, man. I'm going to... I believe you. <laughs> Actually, I want to die during sex. I want to come and go at the same time. I just shake my head in wonder. <laughs> Anyways, when the authorities searched Adam's basement, they found a lot of, this is, I'm quoting, a lot of unused china and silverware. In one room, there were actually 20 new motor car tires still in their wrappings. Holy shit. And several new motor car leaf springs, which I don't know what that is. Leaf springs is part of your suspension. Oh, okay. so you know the, the, the metal strips that go shh. Like oh, this? okay. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's a leaf yeah. Gotcha. So as it's bouncing, the it's a, well, it's, it's a giant flat spring. So it's going to, while it bounces, it absorbs that shock. Gotcha. Yeah. Aren't a lot of them hydraulic now or no? No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Most of them are still, there's there's gas shocks. Oh, okay. That are, have compressed gas in them and oil. Um, and then you've got usually uh, springs in the front that just struts. Gotcha. Along with shocks, but shocks and struts. Gotcha. <laughs> it's nothing like a rock and pinion. <laughs> rack and pinion. Oh. Okay. Not rock and pinion. I thought somebody told me rock and pinion. My bad. No, nope. there's a rock and Scott. No, it's not. Right over here. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Scott's in the office, by the way. Just yeah. Saying. And you'll love this. There were also a lot of wines and spirits stored in mass quantity. Not, now, okay, you know what, John? You just gained points with me because I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, because a wine ain't afraid of nothing but running out of wine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Life's too short not to stay inebriated. <laughs> yeah. So Rodney Halworth, the journalist, actually reported that the large quantities of the items listed were because Adams had been stockpiling them in, or, in the event that there was another world war broke out. Dang Which right. I can see because the war had just ended, and it was so soon after World War One. 
you know, that a lot of people were scared we'd have another one. Damn right. And you got to have plenty of booze to deal with that bullshit. You just sit back, watch the world burn, and get drunk. That's right, dude. Look at that fire. <laughs> Woo, it's burning a big. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God, Helen. It is burning largely outside. <laughs> I see that the river not, is on fire. Look at that fire. fire. <laughs> the fire is ginormous. Please, pass me another bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think the neighbors are dying. That is sad. <laughs> yeah, my son always sings Burning Ring of Fire, and I go, no. If you're going to sing it right, you got to say Burning Ring of Fire. <laughs> I fell into a burning ring of fire. Yeah, fire. Fire. It's not fire. <laughs> yeah, no, that's too many That's too many uh, syllables. syllables for a southerner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I fell into a burning ring of fire. Yeah. Authorities reported that during their search of Adam's second floor, because remember he had 18 fucking rooms, one room was actually given over to an armory. They found six guns in a glass-fronted display case, several others with automated pistols, several other automated pistols laying around. And as it turned out, though, he had permits for all those weapons. Cool. No. Yeah. Kudos, dude. Yeah, so it's like the police are gathering this stuff, but it's like, you know. Nothing illegal about it. So far, it. the only thing illegal they have is the fucking drugs. Yeah, is that, and that's it. Yeah. Leave this man's armory and his guns alone, you fucking bobby bastards. Yeah. <laughs> the bobbies. Um, in another no room. No gun-carrying motherfuckers. Yeah, in another room, they reported finding it was used solely for photographic equipment because there were a dozen very expensive cameras in leather cases just lying around the room. Okay, he likes So he had a pictures. room dedicated to fucking guns, and he had a room dedicated to photography equipment. I can't fault him. Everybody's Which got a Which I hobby, would man. love a room for fucking photography equipment. Me too. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Especially if your mom came to join me. We're done. Now, <laughs> at one point, his sexuality was brought into question, and this part actually sounds like the beginning of one of your lame jokes. Oh, shit. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> In December of 1956, law enforcement came into possession of a memo that belonged to a journalist with the Daily Mail. This memo was about some rumors going around about homosexual activity between a, <laughs> between a police officer, a magistrate, and a doctor. So it was all I could see is you going in and says, a police officer, a magistrate, and a doctor walked into a bedroom. <laughs> they were blowing each other. No, hey, nothing wrong with that, man. There's a little gay <laughs> no, threesome I, I going on. I see a joke going on there, you know. Three little cock gobblers all fucking like getting a group on. Like a priest and a rabbi walked into a bar. <laughs> yeah, but, well, the rabbi would say shalom, but the priest, he's looking for people's children. That's what the hell he's looking for. <laughs> he's not in that room to look for a man. No, he's looking for little Billy. Going, yeah. Come here, do you want to go to heaven? I have the golden skin flute. That's what he's doing, sick yeah. bastards. So then it goes into that the doctor obviously meant shit, uh, Adams. I said shit. <laughs> yeah, wrong Adams. episode. <laughs> yeah, and according to the journalist, the, the information on the memo was actually given to him by Hannum directly. Hannum had called him and said this information. That's oh. why he had wrote it down. Oh, okay. Yeah, the magistrate the memo was referring to was a guy by the name of Sir Roland Gwynn. Now, Gwynn was also the mayor of Eastbourne in 1929 to 1931. His name should have been uh, Roland Tongue, but okay. Anyways, he was actually also Rupert Gwynn's brother, and Rupert was a member of parliament for Eastbourne in 1910 to 1924. So he was... High up there in, you know, society. He was high. 
and then I got high. <laughs> so, um, let's see. He was also a patient of Adams, and it was well known and well documented that he visited his doctor at 9 a.m. every day. <laughs> I see some validity to the post smoking. Why do you have to go to a fucking doctor every day? Hey, maybe he likes his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> or and, something else. And the doctor had... Oh, oh, no, I know what it is. They're in England. He wanted the spotted dick. I love spotted dick. I, I know you no, do. No, seriously, it is so delicious. Do you charge less for that? No. <laughs> it is delicious. <laughs> There's actually a place in Portland that sells it. I love I it. I can't eat spotted dick. It's because... a, a Doctor Who themed cafe. Oh. And it fucking... Sell Spotted Dick. It's delicious. That's fan-fucking-tastic. Go on, Spotted Dick, princess. I'm surprised they don't sell fucking custard and fish sticks, because that's from a Doctor Who <laughs> season. See, the intern... I mean, the coffee goddess knows. Everybody knows this shit but me. Maybe I Maybe I should spend less time getting high and drinking than fucking, fucking watch Doctor Who. Probably. You're almost at the end of your episode, because we're pretty far into the sun. Almost, yeah. Like, we're elbow deep into the anus of this Yeah, thing. I'm actually, like, only a page away. Okay. I. So, anyways, because you keep getting me sidetracked. So, Blame it on the fat kid. Yeah. So, not only did he go see the doctor every day, um, the two of them would often take vacations together, or holidays, um, including the three weeks they had just spent back in, in Scotland in September of that year. Okay. So, I'm not saying they're gay, but I'm saying if it walks like a duck... <laughs> It waddles like I a duck. I don't say they're gay, but they're kind of gay. <laughs> and they quack like a duck. Maybe it's a duck. <laughs> yeah. So the police officer in question was actually a deputy chief constable, not the chief constable, but the deputy chief constable of Eastbourne by the name of Alexander Seekings. I bet you that Adams shot the deputy. He didn't <sighs> shoot the sheriff, but he shot the deputy. <laughs> With his love gun. <laughs> Done. <laughs> See, this is why we're taking so long. So Gwen was actually questioned by Hannum in February of 1957, February 4th. After that meeting, Gwen cut off all connections he had with Adams. Um, and the, rec- the record that Hannum had of the questioning made no mention of the alleged homosexuality, though. Do you want to know why? Yeah. Have you ever seen English teeth? They're all kind of gnarly. No, because it got was caught. actually illegal back in 1956. Well, I'm just thinking that his little lover boy there got caught on a tooth and there was a dispute. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Anywho. Blimey, you cut me. As a matter of fact, after the meeting that he had with Gwen, that Hannum had with Gwen, the police actually went to the journalist who had written the memo and chastised him for writing it. That's right. Yeah. So I Gay say I found reports that say Adams got engaged to a... I will say I did find reports that Adams got engaged to a woman by the name of Nora O'Hara sometime in 1933. But that was common. Like, seriously. Like, right. The, the, the gay folks would go and they would marry women. Right. But kind of that understanding. Well, I have a friend who has an aunt that did that. You know, you kind of go, okay, hey, look, I'm going to give you a good life. I'll pay for your life, everything like that. Everything would be cool. But I need I, to hide the fact that I'm gay. I need to hide the fact that I'm gay because I really want to blow guys, you know, yeah. because it was illegal. It was a fucking crime. Right. You know, and even here in the States, it was considered a mental disorder. Oh, yeah. So it was, you know, we did that here in the States, too. Right. However, he did call off the engagement two years later. 
sometime after her father had gone out and bought them a house and completely furnished it. Um, there has been many theories since then that have offered up different explanations as to the reason for the breakup. The pillows weren't meant for biting. <laughs> Shut up. One such explanation was that the breakup happened because Adam's mother opposed her son marrying Nora, who she considered trade, like just a commoner. God, yeah, I figured. Which I can see. Another explanation was the rumor going around that Adams had requested for Nora's father to amend his will so that favored his daughters. So that means Nora would have gotten a higher inheritance. I'm going to start referring to the intern and the coffee goddess as trade. <laughs> I'm going to see how long I live. She's looking at you like, I will shoot you, motherfucker. I, I want to see how long I'm going to live by doing that, by looking at y- you yeah. and intern and going, come here, trade. <laughs> yeah, shut up. I'm thinking I might live a day. No, I'm thinking maybe an hour. Because she's my... got to go load the gun. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Scotty's going to have some new big holes in him. <laughs> or get the arsenic and put it in your coffee from the no. coffee okay. goddess. Here's the rule for you two motherfuckers. If you're going to poison me, don't be fucking cheap. You Use an arsenic and shit like that. You know, go strychnine. Go a better poison. If you use arsenic, you're going to be referred as to a Bottom basic bitch. <laughs> oh, that's cyanide. That's cyanide. Okay, no. Yeah. No, cyanide. He'll, he'll, Good choice. he'll smell that coming a mile away with his olfactory glands. That is true, because God knows I can smell the one pregnant woman in a crowded room. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I love how everybody plots my death. And to our <laughs> listeners, I have no idea why, because I'm such a sweet, sweet guy. They hear you fucking saying to me about my mother every ep- all episode, every episode. Got my pet Sasquatch across from me and trade sitting over here and then a goddamn another trade in my kitchen. I don't know why they want to kill me. <laughs> Anyways, so the first time Adams got arrested, it was November 24th, 1956. That time he was only being charged on 13 counts, which included false representation on cremation certificates, and Adams was granted bail. You know, so he was arrested a second time on December 19th, 1956. That was when he was re- uh, charged with the murdering of um, Edith Morell. The one we talked about earlier. So, um, when the authorities arrested Adams, uh, he told they told him what the charges were. He said, murder? Murder? Can you prove it was murder? I don't think you could prove it was murder. She was dying in any event. So, <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Um, hold on. I fucking gotta retype this. Um... So then he was being led away. Then as he was being led away from his residence of Kent Lodge, it's reported that he actually grabbed a hold of the hand of his receptionist and said, I will see you in heaven. Like he knew I'm going to fucking die. Yeah. Okay. What's up, man? Yeah. So at that time, Hannum thought he had collected all the evidence he needed in at least four patient deaths that warranted charging Adams for murder. These four cases were the deaths of Clara Neal Miller, Julia Bradnam, Elizabeth Alice Morell, who the patient, who the heroin referred to in the section above. Gotcha. And Gertrude Hullett, the patient referred to by the anonymous caller. Right. Okay. Now, 
Adams, now I'm almost done, two paragraphs. That's Adam fine. was only formally charged with one count of murder, and here's why. And that was the death of Edith. However, prosecutors were using the death of Gertrude and her husband, because her husband died also, to prove, quote, system, which is, you know, um, a connection, a link. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That basically, you know, um, the commonality, I guess. In 1956, in a case, and this is why it was done this way. In 1956, in a case where multiple deaths are present, it wasn't unusual for the suspect to be indicted and charged with one count of murder. The evidence the authorities had obtained on the other ones in regards to the other murders the suspect was linked to could be entered into evidence. Okay. You know, unlike today when they can't do that. Right. Okay. If they followed certain criteria, and that criteria being each subsequent case being provided as evidence had to be either A, or had to be both, if need be, those cases could prove beyond a reasonable doubt on their own merits. Okay. And B, it was significantly similar in aspects to the case for which the suspect was being charged. Okay. Okay. So there you have it. That is why he was only charged with one case of murder. So basically, today in today's day and age, uh, the BTK killer would have only been charged with one murder, but they could have used the other ones as evidence against, against him to prove, uh, what's the word I'm looking a for? A commonality. Yeah. Basically, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. To, show, to show that there's a, uh, I want to go with link, but that's not the word I actually want. Um, pattern. Yeah. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah, show that there's a pattern and they could be used against him. Whereas today's day and age, you can't use past crimes or any other crimes right. in court. You can use it in sentencing, but not court. Correct. Yeah. So that's the end of part one. Fantastic. Yeah, I will get into the uh, two murders and the trial and stuff and the aftermath later next week. Sweet. All yeah. right. Remember, you can send us an email at Twitter. Uh, Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at Twisted Blue LLC. Check out the website. .com. Do you have to put .com at the end of that, yes. motherfucker? Oh, okay. You always have to put .com at the end of an email. Oh. Your email is something at gmail.com, is it not? I oh, fuck if I know. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't pay attention. <laughs> no, you don't. You just say, <laughs> my email is... Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon link. It helps out the show. Doesn't cost you a damn thing extra. And it's Christmas time, so help us out, you bastards. Yeah, dude. Help a brother out. Check out our Patreon page. There's levels for everybody to support the show. It does help out. We got some quizzes, or at least a quiz on there that you can take free of charge. Yeah. It's just a fun thing to do. Check us out on Medium Crime Beat. That's on Medium and other places of where you get your blogs. I think that's all I have to say. Oh, yeah. This show's copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.